Get back in control with Off the Wagon, adventures in emotional eating, health, and weight loss. Each episode containing fork-sized mindset tweaks, perspective shifts, and lifestyle hacks to get you back on the wagon. Whether it's habit change, emotional eating, addictions, weight loss, willpower, or relationships, there's something here for you. So let's get on the wagon and get down the road to your goals with me, Christy R. Hall. Welcome to episode 10, where today we're talking about getting grateful for our emotional eating and other crap that happens in life. Most people I talk to think and feel that emotional eating is a burden, a curse, it's a personal weakness, it's a defect that they've been saddled with and that there's little that they can do about it. They often feel, poor pitiful me. And they wonder if, you know, food is going to be a problem for them for the rest of their lives. And while you may not be feeling, you know, poor, pitiful you, and your experience therefore varies a little bit from what I'm talking about, if you've been following me for any length of time, chances are you have felt like this or similar to this in the past, even if it's not how you feel about it now. And so today... I want to do a little mindset shift on emotional eating so we can put it in its proper place, its proper perspective. Emotional eating, even though we want to master it, is not as bad of a thing as everybody seems to think. Emotional eating at its most basic is, as I've said many times before, a behavior or a habit that you engage in in order to deal with a problem, emotion, or issue. You engage in the behavior simply because you've not found another coping mechanism that works for you in the way and to the degree that eating does. When we get triggered, either consciously or subconsciously, we may experience cravings or a nagging drive or urge to raid the fridge or the pantry or the vending machine. But that craving or that drive or urge isn't really a problem. In fact, it's an alert, a red flag, a siren, a signal that with training, you could learn to just appreciate as a signal that you need to tune into your emotions and to your body and determine what's really bothering you before it gets out of control, out of hand, in your face first in the chocolate cake. And while it's true that emotional eating is a coping skill that we would like to replace, it's also a coping skill that has allowed us to survive. And what I mean is that emotional eating has provided us with a way to cope with our world when we didn't know what else to do or when we couldn't do what we actually thought of. And to bring this home for you, what I mean is that it's easier and one might argue healthier over the long haul to eat emotionally than to experience road rage and kill someone with your vehicle. Your relationship may benefit from your emotional eating instead of, say, setting everything your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend owns on fire or throwing it into the nearest dumpster. You're choosing to eat emotionally as an alternative to these other things that are even more distasteful, even more harmful 
So basically, emotional eating is an attempt to deal with the crap that life throws at you. My desire for you is that when you experience that craving or that urge to eat, that you become more mindful and self-aware and realize something in your world, in your life, in your experience needs attention and care. So emotional eating as a habit or a pattern or a program, if it's keeping you from hurting yourself or hurting someone else, if it's allowing you to stay at your job until you find another instead of telling your boss off, if it's allowing you to function in life, even if it's with a bit of unwanted weight, then this behavior is beneficial. It's helpful. And like anyone or anything in our lives, you might consider being grateful for it. Of course, being grateful for it doesn't mean that you have to keep it. You can appreciate a present and still put it in the garage sale. You can appreciate a gift and still donate it to charity. So we don't have to keep our emotional eating habits just because we're grateful for them. It just simply means that we need to try to acknowledge the positive benefit that this habit is providing. When we get a feeling of dissatisfaction about ourselves, about our lives, it often leads us to emotional eating. That is seeking food to fill our emptiness, to smooth out any roughness, and to generally provide excitement for the unfulfilled areas of our lives. This eating due to dissatisfaction often comes under labels like celebrating with friends or rewarding or treating ourselves or relaxing but it's still emotional eating. So what does gratitude have to do with emotional eating? And first I want to talk a little bit of science and I promise it won't get too, uh, too sciencey. A recent 10 week study done at the university of Southern California divided people into three groups. The first group wrote down general things they were grateful for. Group two got specific. They picked one thing that they were grateful for and then wrote five detailed sentences about why they were grateful for it. Group three listed out all the ways in which they felt they were better off than the next person. What's really interesting here are the results. You might think that people who were grateful about lots of things might actually feel better. But the truth is, is that group two, the ones who got specific were found to be more alert, more excited, more elated, and less tired and less sad and less lethargic than the other two groups. I want you to think about this for just a moment, how beneficial this could be to you. You could eliminate emotional eating because you were bored, sad, tired, lethargic, because you didn't have anything else to do by simply being grateful and feeling more grateful. Seriously, how significant is that? Another recent study has shown that having 
a positive mood helps you make better food choices. Specifically, they looked at how many cookies two groups of women ate. Women in both groups were given plates of chocolate chip cookies and told, Have as many as you want. Group one was the control group, so they gave them the plates of cookies and just said, eat however many you want. Group number two was actually asked to watch a funny video before eating their cookies. They watched the video and then ate the cookies. The ladies who had a better mood because of the video that they watched ate, on average, between one and three cookies less than the woman who didn't have a mood boost. Okay, what I want to point out to you here is that depending on the size of the cookie you eat, this could be hugely significant. But it's important to realize that there are long-lasting and very real benefits for having moments of gratitude. Mentally going over things you're grateful for, or writing in a gratitude journal, or even writing a thank you note, or just saying thank you have all proven that gratitude makes us feel happier and more fulfilled. There are a few ways that people typically approach working on healing, mastering, emotional eating. One of the most common ways is to look at the event or situation external to themselves. They look at it as if it's happening to them. They typically feel like they have no control over these outside sources, and so they seek to avoid them. Examples of this would be avoiding the break room because you know there are donuts in there, cleaning out the pantry because you can't say no to the food that's in there, or calling in sick to Christmas because you won't be able to not go overboard when surrounded by all your favorite foods. The second way is to look inside, internally, to yourself. And see if you can understand what's going on within you and try to change how you feel about those donuts in the break room or the smorgasbord of Christmas delights. You may find that you're merely bored or anxious and that's the reason for your urge to eat. You can deal appropriately with those emotions and then the craving or urge naturally goes away on its own. Some of the more beneficial tools for dealing with this type of approach is... You may have heard me talk about tapping or hypnosis or rapid transformational therapy, NLP. There's lots of modalities that you can use to help uh, break up that internal feeling and make it transition into a good or positive feeling. The third way is through compassionate acceptance or radical acceptance of both the external situation but also your internal situation. This requires non-judgment of who or what is happening around you, but also loving and accepting yourself and your reaction in that moment without judgment. See, when we remove the judgment and the labels, we can more easily decide what, if anything, needs to be done. But at this level, this third way, gratitude can play a huge role in helping you heal. Because if instead of getting upset at Susie for bringing in jelly donuts, which you love and have a hard time resisting, you understand the truth 
that she was trying to be nice to everyone in the office and it has nothing to do with your own weakness, then the donuts and Susie stop being the villain out to get you. If you also acknowledge your feelings, and let's be honest, your desire for the donuts, without resistance, then you create an opportunity to get to the heart of why you wanted the donuts in the first place. This is what I call creating space. It's a moment where you can decide if eating a donut to fit in or to squash your anxiety for 30 seconds is reasonable, is what you really want to do, or if you'd rather do something else. So what can you expect from practicing gratitude? Gratitude for even the crappy things in your life, gratitude for your emotional eating, gratitude for that fight, that car wreck, that bottle of marinara that fell on the floor. (laughs) What being grateful for even the crappy things will do is it will make you start feeling compassion for yourself and for others. All the other humans and creatures on their path and their journey through life also experiencing these crappy moments. Number two, you may stop taking things for granted as much. And this includes yourself and pushing yourself further than you really should be. Number three is that you may feel more connected, both to yourself, but also to others. And this can affect your relationships in a good way. And haven't you read that connection is the antidote to addiction? It's really interesting because if you're addicted to food, maybe a connection to yourself and others might be the remedy for that. And number four, it will make you see situations and events that bother you from a different perspective. And if my experience can be used as a guideline for what you might experience, sometimes that perspective shift will completely dissolve an emotional issue altogether. So you might be asking yourself how you can start your own gratitude practice. And the easiest way to start is going to be to start with what you know. Write down the situations, events, people, places, things that bother you, that have a tendency to trigger you. Sit down in a safe and comfortable place and think about the first item on that list. Maybe it's a fight with your boss or a fight with your spouse or going home for Christmas. And when you think about that event or that situation or that person, see if you can come up with a name or a label for it. The name or the label isn't about judgment, but really about identifying the heart of it. Perhaps that label or that title will be how you feel in that moment. Do you feel small or insignificant? or slighted? Do you feel afraid or scared? Do you feel anxious or stressed? Are you worried? Write down the label or the title. Then once you've done that, write down as many possible positive things, beliefs, ideas that came out of that moment. What can you possibly be grateful for, for having to deal with this experience or this person or this event? 
there's always a benefit. There's always something positive that can be gleaned from a situation. To use an example from before, there's actually a positive benefit to you breaking a bottle of marinara in the floor. It may be provided you with an opportunity to be more creative with your meals. It may have given you an opportunity to get someone else's help in making dinner or cleaning the house. There's always something that you can find if you look hard enough that's positive in every situation or event that you might have already labeled as negative. So see if for each item on your list you can come up with at least five reasons to be grateful or positive outcomes for that negative or otherwise uncomfortable event. Repeat this process of identifying the trigger, giving it a label, and then writing down as many positive or grateful things you can think of and see if your perspective on that event, that situation, that person, that place, whatever it is, changes. You might also consider a setting aside some time during the day to write down three to five things that you are grateful for and choose one of those things and get detailed about it. So if you are grateful for your house, why are you grateful for your house? Dive deep and, and really think about it, right? Okay, sure, it gives you, you know, a place to sleep or it keeps the rain off your head, but Get a little bit more specific. How does having a house or owning a home, how does that make you feel? See if you can get more grateful about it. And the same goes for, you know, your best friend, your spouse, your dog or your cat, um, parents, if you still have them. Of course, even if you don't still have them, it's a very beneficial exercise because it puts you in a different perspective. It puts you in a place where you can appreciate all the good things that are happening to you, even when the bad things are happening to you. I'm so grateful that you decided to listen in today. I hope that this has been helpful for you and I hope that it allows you to find a little bit of compassion, a little bit of gratefulness for what you're experiencing right now. The truth is, no matter what's happening for you and around you and even to you, the fact is that if you're listening to this, you're still alive. And while that may not feel like much, on some days, it's something to be grateful for because every day that you're alive, every moment that you're alive, you have the opportunity to make changes, to help someone else, to find compassion and love for yourself, to experience that moment where you are okay, no matter what is going on around you. And that is really what we're after here, to be okay in each and every moment that we're in, or at least be able to know in our hearts that no matter where we are, we're always going to be okay. 
Thank you so much for tuning in and listening in and sending in your comments and suggestions. I really appreciate you. I'm so grateful that you're here. If you have any questions or concerns or comments, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook or on my website, www.christyrhall.com. And also look for the links to the studies on the website so that you can do some of this gratitude research on your own. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you soon.